Georgia trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move by in here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Lead pass to Tim Hill, Bobby C um, here on the Retro Room podcast uh, to give a quick backstory. My brother and I recorded the um, at the time was it was going to be episode one of season three of the Retro Room. Uh, we did, we did a thing on the slam dunk contest from '88 and 20, uh, 2016, uh, but that is going to get pushed to the side for now because of um, the untimely, uh, tragic uh, passing of one of the the greatest basketball players of all time, one of my favorites, <clears throat> Kobe Bryant, and um, you know that happened on Sunday. His daughter Gigi and seven others um, in, a, in a fatal helicopter crash that kind of sent the world you know, upside down and players, coaches, fans from not only here and where we live in New York and not only uh, in L.A., but across the world just showing their outpouring condolences to everybody that that was involved, the families and um, just seeing just seeing players going through this uh, untimely kind of uh, thing that doesn't normally happen in the world of sports and someone like, you know, myself and, and, and my brother Joe and Bob are here tonight to kind of do our best to celebrate the legacy and the life of Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, multiple time world champion, 18 time all-star was going to be in the hall of fame this year, uh, along with, with, uh, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan. Um, but we won't be able to see that. So there is a lot of, there is a lot on our plate try to do the best we can to uplift and uh to to talk about one of the greatest of all time in Kobe Bryant uh, a 20 year NBA career just retired 4 years ago uh was doing you know Oscar winning stuff he was coaching he was having his second act of life outside of basketball and this happens and um it just um you can't explain it it's not something that happens all the time but we are here to do our best to talk about Kobe Bryant and uh I guess Bob I'll start with you man um you know 
Kobe Kobe has been in our lives for 20 years. We saw him as as a young kid coming out of high school to the NBA at the age of age of, age of 17. So he's been on our TV screens for so long and uh I'm not sure if you ever had a chance to meet him or just cross paths. I I've never met Kobe Bryant uh nor did my brother, so we missed out on that. But when was the first time you heard of Kobe Bryant? Um, when was the first time you seen of this kid, Kobe Bryant, um, before he made his plans to come to the NBA? Okay. Uh, first time, got an opportunity to probably get a real good insight into Kobe. It would have It would have been around the time of the draft. You know, as a big college basketball fan and also just as an nba fan at that time of course my age uh and i guess uh, joe's age and kobe's age all in that same same realm there i'll be 40 uh, in a couple of weeks so um you know at that time to be pretty much high school of college age uh, following nba players i i would think first time he was on the radar would have been around the draft from what i recall mm-hmm but uh, as far as you know, being blessed to have had an opportunity to be around him, definitely interviewed him many times. I got a chance to be at the last two championships that Kobe won, um, the finals. Uh, that was such an incredible experience. And as I said on the show this week, I thought one of the best things every, every year at that time, because I had done about almost probably half of his all-star game appearances I went back because I was curious myself. I, I had seen three of his four all-star game MVPs. And um, yeah, I made I made the comment on the show during the week that, <laughs> you know, at these all-star games, he was always the best player. And I'm not just saying that because he passed away or because he won four all-star game MVPs. But you look at one, you know, one of the stat lines that I brought up on the show was from um, the all-star game in 07 in Las Vegas. Mm. And in that game, he had six steals in addition to, you know, 31 points. And, um, you know, not often do All-Stars have six steals in an All-Star game. But it shows just uh, how Kobe Bryant approached even an All-Star game the way that he would approach a regular season or even a playoff game. He was that kind of performer. Um, I think for me... Before I get to Joe, I I I was thirteen, me yeah thirteen, at the time when he uh, declared for the draft in nineteen ninety six, which many many regard to be the greatest draft class of all time. Um, so I wasn't watching high school basketball. I wasn't really in, in you know I saw the NBA, but I wasn't in tune to college and high school. So you know when he gets drafted, it wasn't like. It wasn't like I knew who he was. Uh, I probably heard. I probably heard about him, uh, not the um, the hoopla of like when LeBron came out in 03 and everything, and being on ESPN and, and whatnot. But um, so for me, my first time of hearing about Kobe Bryant is the day he got drafted. Um, he did. He did. He did get drafted by Charlotte. And then eventually traded to the Lakers, uh, which we'll go in a second. But for me, that was the first time I heard about him. Not prior to that, not prior to the draft. And then, 
we like I said, we all got to know him as he got older and progressed um, every year playing with the Lakers. So, I mean, I wish I wish I got a chance to see those high school games um, if they were on TV. You know, go, coming from Lower Marion High School in in Philadelphia and becoming one of the all time greats. Uh, you know, a guy who played with one team in his entire career, which is something that you just don't see all the time. You know, Kobe and your, your Dirks and Tim Duncans, uh, it's rare. So, again, for me, my first time knowing or ever hearing about Kobe Bryant was um, the day of the draft in 1996. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I'm the same age as Kobe Bryant. So, I mean... When he was 17, I was 17, you know, and we're in totally different spaces in life, of course. But uh, I, I, this is, you know, my childhood best player for me all time, you know. I mean, I was able to see Jordan as well uh, play and play in his prime, and I remember that. Uh, but in terms of seeing a guy that that came out of high school at the same age I was and make a name for himself and didn't care about, you know, if he was spoken about uh, who said what, his his mentality, his determination, his passion for basketball was on full display at 17, Bob. You know, and it's amazing how a young kid, you know, from Philly makes a transition to, the, you know, West Coast L.A. And pretty much grows up in front of our eyes and to the point where he has touched everybody in, on, in this world on a, such a positive and uplifting mode and you know for this to happen uh of course the way that that it did in, in terms of being tragic but you know on the eve of all-star you know on the eve of him going into the hall of fame you know on the eve of just seeing you know his baby girl Gianna be the next you know Kobe Bryant on the female side so you know all those questions are going to be asked all those questions may not ever be answered um, but to see this guy I grew up with and the way he killed every opponent in NBA basketball and you can ask the greats I mean nobody could nobody does it like Kobe Bryant so to see my hero and my childhood you know best player in the world for me at the time um, to see him go like this is definitely um, heart-wrenching for me I think that's the case for all of us. I mean, this is probably the most difficult podcast we've ever had to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, we we you know we keep saying like Kobe for real, Kobe Bryant of all, of all people, and um, it, it's still still surreal. You know, to us, the fans, the players, the coaches. Uh, you know, we just saw Jerry West. Uh, last night on TNT, the guy who, who who traded for him on draft night and kind of looked at Kobe as like a son and kind of was uh, being that mentor to him, whether he was with the Lakers or when he went to Memphis and the Clippers, he was always that mentor to Kobe. And you see the raw emotions from him, from Shaq, obviously, um, and, and just about every every basketball player known to man. Um, just had a just had a liking for Kobe. Uh, Kobe, forty one years old, and 
uh, was going to to do bigger and better things um, outside of basketball, but still inside the realm of basketball, if that makes sense. And um, going back to Jerry West, you know, he does trade for him, trade for Kobe on draft night, and and uh, we can kind of <laughs> laugh about it now. But Kobe gets traded for Vlade Divac uh, of all people, and you know, you 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 hear that now. And Kobe Bryant, all time legend, NBA player, and gets traded for Vlade Divac, and that, that's that's all Charlotte got back. And sh- at the same time, Jerry West is trying to make room to sign Shaq in that same summer. So Shaq was coming from Orlando, and Jerry West was doing this re- you know sort of rebuild for the Lakers, uh, coming from the Showtime era and Magic retiring, I think, earlier that season, um, and also coaching. So now a new he's trying to build a build a new regime, starting with Kobe Bryant. So Kobe's on board in June of that year. Shaq comes on board in July of that year. I think the biggest contract in NBA history as a free agent. So now you have the pairing of Shaq and Kobe, which will go down to be one one of the best dynamic duos in basketball. Um, but so now. Kobe and Shaq are together, Bob. Now you're seeing them kind of gel and kind of mature at the same time. Uh, Shaq had some had some success in Orlando, going to the finals, playing with Penny Hardaway. Now he has to play with a 17, 18-year-old kid who thinks he's better than everybody on the floor and mimicking Michael Jordan. And when you first saw Shaq and Kobe together on the floor, what did you make of this of this new dynamic duo? Uh, I mean, you know, we, I think the word I used on the show uh, in terms of, you know, a total scope by the time everything was said and done was that their marriage ended up being rather combustible, but at the same time, it yielded three championships. Mm -hmm. I think initially watching them play together um, was incredible, is incredible when you go back and you look at it. Mm. I think it's unfortunate that you know, maybe there was some friction by the time things were said and done. And I, I firmly believe if they didn't have the friction that they had towards the end, that they probably would, would have won another championship in that final against Detroit. I almost feel as good as the Pistons were that year as a collective that you can make a case that the Lakers kind of imploded too. And that was the uh, not so good portion of that dynasty. But at the same time, you know, you had two alphas and both Shaq and Kobe that are undoubtedly two of the greatest players of all time. And, mm-hmm. you know, we make we make light of that move on draft night. But at the time, it was actually big news because Vladdy was a, a very good player. He was the starting center for the Lakers. And Kobe Bryant was the unknown. You know, I think we, we made the remark uh, to kick off the show. But, you know, Randy, you being 13... Joe at that time being 17 and myself being 16. I mean, I, I remember watching all those NBA drafts. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that age, when you're a teenager, I, I don't want to say things are magnified more so than maybe being a 35 or 40-year-old, but I, I feel like uh, it was special every year to watch the uh, the draft as a fan, as a teen. And uh, I remember watching clips of, of Kobe and Again, he was the unknown to someone. And this this also predates, I think young fans can't really grasp this. But in 1996, 1997, 
we're way, way before the social media that we have now, mm. or even the high school frenzy that we have now. There's so many of these games that are broadcast. So you see a kid now at 15 or 16, he becomes a household name. I mean, Zion has been a household name now for a couple of years, even before being in the NBA. Um, LeBron might have been the first maybe to be like that, but I, I think Kobe would have been, I guess, if we would have had access to the same type of um, tools that we have today. But Kobe Bryant, I think, was the great unknown, except for those that probably did scout him like Jerry West. And I mean, th think about how incredible it must be to have a guy who is one of the greatest players of all time himself. I mean, he's the logo for the NBA. Firmly believe that you have all the skills that it takes to be another great in the game. I mean, he had Kobe pegged right, right from the first, you know, right from day one. Yeah. Um, so, Joe, what did you make of um, the early portion of Shaq and Kobe coming together uh, and stuff like that? I mean, you know, at the time, um, Shaq and Kobe uh, got it together. They figured it out. And then, you know, having Phil Jackson there and, and having his, his offense, the triangle in place with the proper players he had already as complementary players on the side, uh, you know, question, you know, I mean, it's hard to question if they are, you know, that they're a dynasty. The dynasty is three years, back to back to back. I mean, I mean, one of the best I ever seen. You know, I mean, before that was Penny and Shaq. After that was probably, you know, I mean, of course Jordan and Pippen, um, Robinson and Duncan. So I mean, Shaq and Co Shaq and Kobe was one of the best and probably the scariest duo you ever seen in in, in, in on basketball. And it's, it's it's sad how things ended up, um, and we you know we'll talk about that later on. But uh, definitely top top three, if not top five, for sure of duos in the NBA ever. I think, Bob, for for me, and Joe, for me, um, what makes or what made Kobe so so special and unique is, uh, before we get to two thousand, you know he. He wins the slam dunk contest in '97. That's the only year that Kobe is in the in the dunk contest. Um, then the following year, we get to '98 uh, All Star Game here in New York at the Garden. And what's fascinating about that is that Kobe was named the, the he was named a starter, even though he did not start for his own team. And I don't think in the last 22 years that has happened in the All-Star game where you become a starter, but you don't even start for your own team. He uh, was also the youngest player in NBA And history. also the youngest player to, to play in the All-Star. So you, three things are happening at once. is in the garden. Uh, uh, Jordan is still playing at, at this time. So they're... Jordan is trying to get that three-peat with Chicago. And then you get the early matchups of also, well, the, the year prior to that. You're getting these early matchups between Michael and, and Kobe, and you're starting to get these uh, conversations like, you know, will Kobe be better than Michael one day? Um, Kobe mimics Michael. Um, could he be just as good as Michael? It, it, at, when, when Michael retires, is Kobe the next guy? 
in the league. So all this is happening pretty much in a two-year time frame. Uh, first, on the All-Star stuff. What made that so special, unique about Kobe, the fact that he was named a starter without even starting for his own team? Bob? Well, I mean, you know, again, thinking back to those times, and I, that All-Star game was very special in and of itself, being at the world's most famous arena. Mm-hmm. I actually found a clip that we played on the show about uh, Kobe making the remark. I mean, he, he, you know, almost like LeBron shows reverence for the Garden. Maybe no one wants to come and play for the Knicks, but everyone shows reverence for the Garden. But uh, Kobe, you know, making the remark afterward, you know, this is the Mecca, this is the Mecca. You know, he loved playing in New York. And I think it's it's almost kind of fitting that the, um, you know, one of the first, like I'll say, I wasn't the first game of the day, you know, on that eight-game schedule on Sunday. But I think it's kind of fitting that one of the quote-unquote marquee games of the night had both the, the Knicks and the Nets uh, playing each other at the Garden because Kobe built a lot of his name at MSG. Um, of course, he was great from day one in the NBA. And, you know, he's gone on to have a great career winning all the championships. But I do think that Madison Square Garden did contribute to that. Not only the big scoring game, the 61, but also uh, his performance in that all-star game. You know, it, it kind of dawned on me. I don't know if you, uh, you know, you, you start, uh, I, I don't know if this is also a process of getting older too, gents. But, you know, you start ha- thinking about, all of the, I don't want to say if they're like coincidences or just connecting the dots, but, um, you know, uh, it's incredible that, you know, he passes and the Grammys are at Staples Center. I mean, that's like, I don't know if that's just one of those like rare coincidences, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's, you know, and that, that evening turns into a night for, it basically turns into one big memorial service for Kobe Bryant. You know, I don't know if even, you know, God's plan is to have that game at the garden, but I just thought it was interesting that night to see, to have that matchup, even the two New York teams and have that game be at the garden. It easily could not have been that night. It easily could not have been at the garden. Um, You know, and then the other thing that came up to me that I, I, I want to say would be a, a remark I would make too is, you know, during the week the Lakers had been in the New York area with both playing uh, the Knicks and the Nets back to back nights. So Wednesday and Thursday of last week they played here in New York, and and even with some of the guys that worked for me, one of the comments I had made that night was, I never thought I would see LeBron James in a Lakers uniform, and it's still still kind of. Um, you know, I look at it and I say it almost doesn't look right. But if it makes any sense to both of you guys, and it kind of does to me more and more these last couple of days, because I do believe that God has a plan for everything and everyone, I think it's quite possible that LeBron James was destined to be a Laker because of this. Because if there's anyone that can kind of help the city of LA through this process, it would be him. 
And I really do think that the Lakers are going to win the championship this year, but I'm sure that'll be part of our conversation before the night is over. Hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, it, it's also fitting that his um, his first NBA point was uh, in the Garden, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, you hear all these different things, you know, connecting mm-hmm. like, you know, he passes away at 41. He leaves his last game with 4.1 seconds on the clock. Um, you know, again, maybe these are just, you know, uh, coincidences. You know, I, I thought even the, I don't know if you guys saw the stat line with Trey Young, but Trey Young goes out and posts these ridiculous numbers, 45 points, triple double. And, you know, it's the first time anyone had posted that stat line against the Washington Wizards since Kobe Bryant. <laughs> you know, I, I you know, yeah. you hear things like that. and It's mm. like, I don't know what what's going on here. You know, I mean, uh, and, and, you know, and listen, it seems to be coming from near and far. Right. I mean, how many people have been affected by this? You know, I saw tonight I, I was, you know, scrolling through social media and. You can just tell the hurt that the players like, you know, I, I read an article about Julius Randle this morning in the paper, you know, how he made the same remarks that we basically did. You know, it's just surreal and not reality for him. Mm-hmm. Other NBA stars like Giannis, uh, you know, took himself off social media, Twitter, Instagram, because just couldn't handle the notifications. Um. You know, guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, I, I thought, what an amazing tribute to change the number and to make it, you know, make it a combination of Kobe's 24 and Gigi's two and to take 26. But, you know, at the same time, I think you see some of these other players that want to keep the number. That's that's admirable as well. Right. You know, I saw the story with marketing in Chicago saying that he's going to he's going to keep the number to pay homage to Kobe. I mean, it the reverence from so many people. In so many different places, young, old, I thought the tribute that the Nets did tonight incredible to uh, to be able to shine the light on the uh, the two seats there at the Barclays Center that Kobe and Gigi were just in. And I, I mean, listen, he's on on the tip of the tongue for everyone, man. I mean, I just got a chance to call those games at the. I just thought about it actually. Now that I'm I'm telling you guys that, you know. I made the remark even during the Kyrie invite doing the games about how Kobe had just been here. And I, I, I said during the broadcast that, you know, if, if uh, this place is good enough for Kobe Bryant, it's good enough for us, you know? So, um, and that of course was, you know, weeks before that's, that's late December. But, um, you know, Kobe, Kobe Bryant was still very much in the consciousness of all of us, even, even having been removed from the NBA the last few years, I think, uh, I think his short animated film, uh, Dear Basketball that won an Oscar is, you know, it's so perfect. It almost plays out like a, a eulogy for him. Right. Um, so before I go more into, you know, his legacy and career, I think the big question is, like, how does the league honor him? I know there's a lot of ideas about the logo being changed from Jerry West to Kobe. Um <laughs> The All-Star game is coming up. What do they do? You know, does one team wear number eight? One team wears 24? Does one team wear purple? Does one team wear gold? 
Um, do they rename something after him? Do they put his silhouette or, or numbers on the on the Lakers floor from now on? I mean, there is a lot that they can do. Um, what what do you what do you feel they should do as far as like you know what? This is Kobe. Um, this particular thing has to be done. Well, I mean, Bobby, before you get on, I just want to say that um, they should honor him. That's for sure. Uh, in terms of what to do and how to do it, um, I I don't know if you could do it. I don't know if you could do as much as. I mean, this guy's legendary. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much that you can do. Uh, and I think that before they press fast forward, they got to stop and then see how they're going to do it right. And I think they're going to take a step back in terms of that. Uh, you might see some minimal things going on in terms of silhouettes or numbers on the floor or having a number either or or some kind of tape to, you know, on, on their arms to kind of recognize, you know, uh, the passing of someone in the sport they're in. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's the NBA. It's up to the NBA, right? And this is where we'll see how the NBA honors him. And I think that, you know, right now, it, it's just take your time with it because a guy like that in terms of Corey Bryant and what he meant to this league and what he meant to sports and everybody globally um, as a human being, it, that weighs a lot. So you got to do it right. So uh, what, if I was in position to make sure, I, I would lo- I would make sh- hopefully make every court have an 8 and 24 on the court um, in, some, in some kind of fashion of, the, of that sort. Um, and also they mentioned maybe retiring 8 and 24 across the league. I know the Mavericks right. retired 24 or they're going yeah. to retire 24, I think, number 8 as well. So maybe every 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 team should re- you know retire both numbers. I'm, I mean, Bobby, how do you feel about that? You know, I, we, we've talked about this off the air a little bit. It, it's very interesting because I look at how some of the other leagues have done things and, again, maybe in different scenarios. I think maybe the only comparison that you could draw in terms of something like this in terms of tragedy could be Roberto Clemente. And unfortunately, Major League Baseball has never stepped up to retire 21. I think it's something that, you know, to this day should be considered. But I guess my remark in terms of that, like you see it, again, maybe a fair comparison would be like Jackie Robinson's 42 being retired across baseball. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that I feel bad about even with that, because you're talking about somebody who was a pioneer, when you take the number out of circulation, you remove it from view. So now 42 doesn't get used on any of the players except for that one day a year that they acknowledge this is the day that Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. Everyone wears 42 throughout Major League Baseball on that day or any game that I guess is around that day, the next game that is played, whatever. But um, by removing it, you know, you, you might take it out of out of the conversation. I always thought it was great that you got to see Mariano still wear it. And at that time, he was the last player to wear it. But again, in, in all of these sports, you know, very few times has a sport done something where they've acknowledged a player like hockey ended up doing it for Gretzky. And of course, Gretzky is alive. You know, they took the 99 out of circulation saying like, OK, he's our greatest player of all time. We're retiring it throughout the sport. Um, and, you know, and if that was the case, even for the NBA guys, I think 
Kobe would very much be a possibility for that honor had he lived anyway. But I'm sure we would talk about 23. We'd talk about Jordan, maybe LeBron. I think um, that wouldn't be a bad thing if they decided to do that. I don't know if it's the right thing to do because, again, there might be other players that they could consider doing it for. It might be the knee-jerk reaction at the moment because we're also hurt by the news. Mm-hmm. The same thing with the logo. I mean, listen, that logo is awesome. The original logo is is vintage. It looks great still. It's it's played up very nicely still all these years. They could easily change that logo to be Kobe's logo. And the same there. They could easily probably change it to be something like the MJ logo logo, excuse me, or um, you know, something even LeBron or one of these other great players. Mm-hmm. I do think they need to figure out a way to I guess in in, in surmising and maybe making a uh, not as long-winded a point here. I think they have to find the right way to keep Kobe in the consciousness of the NBA. That would be the thing I would I would try to do. I think the kids that come up after this, so we'll say maybe our kids or their kids, should just know the story of Kobe Bryant. Just like you hope that kids today know a little bit about what Roberto Clemente did for baseball, right. what Jackie Robinson did for baseball. Um. Yeah, that would that would probably be the thing. And and again, I'm not sure exactly what that would be, but I do think it's pretty awesome that certain players want to wear the number to pay homage to him. Just like I think it's awesome that some of the players want to keep it out of circulation. Or even, you know, I thought it was interesting to see that story today that R.J. Barrett doesn't want to be called the Maple Mamba out of respect for Kobe. You know, every, everyone is handling this differently. Mm-hmm. And everyone has a different attitude towards it. And I think all of them are all right, guys. I don't think there's, you know, there's no template for this. This is something that's never really happened before. Right. Especially in the NBA. Maybe it's happened, like I said, in other sports. You know, I think the Clemente thing was very tragic at that time. You know, he had just hit his, you know, his 3,000th hit. He was a, a legend at that point, Hall of Famer. Uh, uh you know, Thurman Munson passing away at 32 years old. His captain, the Yankees, had gone to three straight World Series. And he, you know, he dies that year in season. Um, so Kobe passing is is very much in that same breath. You know, very, very shocking, very abrupt. I think that also makes it so much tougher for everyone, too, is uh, just how abrupt it is. I mean, I, I know we didn't talk about that so much yet so far, but I know when I got that alert, I I didn't buy it. I didn't believe it. I thought it was fake news. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought that it was one of those hoax and somebody was just online just trying to stir shit up and, and then you keep refreshing, refreshing, waiting to see something on CNN, ESPN, Fox, ABC, whatever, whatever channel it was and then you start seeing like those confirmations and it's like, oh man, uh, then one person is like, okay, now this outlet is confirming, then this outlet is confirming, it's like, oh, it's not looking good and then they, you know, just nervous about the whole situation and then you finally get the real confirmation that it is true and then the daughter and then, and then the other children on board, it just... It, you know, ever since Sunday, man, it's been a nonstop. Um, just talking about it, just uh, everywhere you go, whether you're at work, school, no matter what it is, outside, 
people are talking about Kobe Bryant. People are wearing Kobe Bryant shirts and jerseys and uh, putting tape up at a Bryant Park uh, train station to, to Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant Park or Kobe and Gigi Bryant Park and uh, paying their respect somehow, some some way that, that, that they can. Um, and just trying to trying to make sense of, sense of everything and trying to find some sort of you know happy medium to everything to talk about him as as the way he he should be talked about I mean Kobe's a legend man and 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 um, to see how it's treated at this point in time and, and how people are, are so receptive and and so endearing especially to Vanessa man I mean Vanessa Bryan is going through a lot and and it's un, unimaginable what what is she's going through um but yeah but just just staying on topic um Kobe is the greatest uh if not one of the greatest to ever do it uh on off the court and um to see him um you know gone at this point in time is is devastating so um but but we're here tonight to to make light of it and um and and you know showcase the 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 best part of his life as well so Bob, uh, we left off where we're at the '98 All Star Game. He's a starter. He's going up against uh, his his idol, <laughs> uh, and, and Michael. And then the comparison started. Um, from that point on, they went to the playoffs. Had a couple sweeps um, on that on that on that roster to San Antonio to Utah. Um, still playing at still playing at the forum at this point until 2000, and then moving to the Staples Center. So now Phil Jackson is now the new head coach for the team. Um, trying to change everything with that roster because how can you have you know at that point how can you have Shaq and Kobe on the roster and not win a title? So that was in the air as well. So now the pressure is on them. New building, new coach, new everything, and you start to see, like, okay, this team can really be that new dynasty after the Chicago Bulls. And you know, we we, we mentioned earlier, they won three in a row. They beat Indiana one year. They beat Philadelphia, and they beat New Jersey. And they they are the new dynasty of the NBA. Um, was it? Shocking to you? Was it like okay, as a fan that like you kind of saw this coming? All right, you know, once Shaq and Kobe got everything together and Phil's on board, you kind of knew this was the new wave of the new millennium of basketball with the Lakers being on on top of the world. Well, you know, guys, it's funny too because I brought this up on the show. I I did a little list of like top moments for me with Kobe. And I know everyone, again, is, you know, they're going to bring up 61. They're going to bring up the 81. Some people have made remarks. I know, you know, ESPN showed the final game of his career, the 60. There's no doubt. I mean, Kobe Bryant's one of the great scorers in, in the game. But I, when I think of him, and I don't know if you guys agree with me or not, but the game that stands out actually in my mind, one of the games that stands out, comes from June of 2002, which is when they – they beat the Kings in Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals. I still think, I said this on the show, that that is one of the great performances by Kobe Bryant 
in his entire career because he scores 30 points. The Lakers win that game in overtime. And that was the game that, that really stood out for me because the Kings were really good that year, man. I think that they could have easily ended the reign of the Lakers at that time. Uh, and Kobe wasn't having any of it. I mean, yeah, I, I think to your point, um, that was the one year that everybody thought that the Lakers were going to get got. It was going to be against Sacramento. Sacramento kept, you know, 2000, they, they played and oh one they played and now they had the first seed in the Western Conference and now they go in, into the conference finals and and you look, you look at the roster of of the talent who's who's on there. You got you got Shaq, you got Kobe, you got Weber, you got Mike Bibby. It's like you know, to me that era was top notch. And there's other players in you know in the league like like AI, Dirk, T Mac, Tim Duncan, so on and so forth. So now you get the two top teams in the Western Conference going at it. And you know, I don't want to go into Game Six because that's a whole different, <laughs> different day, different conversation. But to your point, you know, Game Seven does kind of get under the radar as far as Kobe's best games. Yeah, I mean, again, early in his career, different time. But the thing I used to re- remember telling people, um, as as definitely a big uh, Kobe Bryant fan at the time, was, you know, Shaquille O'Neal was maybe the guy. You know, at that time, you know, Diesel and the guy that would often pace the Lakers throughout the first portion of games, rack up huge numbers. But Kobe Bryant was always the closer for all of those championships. And uh, whether Shaq was there or not, uh, and as great a player as he is, and he was great, I think a big part of that, and that's a big part of playing basketball, too, is the fact that Shaquille was so poor from the free throw line that you could not have him closing out those kinds of games and Kobe Bryant close out those kinds of games because, you know, they've made this remark the last few days. And again, again, maybe some of this is, you know, uh, extra because of how he passed. But I, I really think it's accurate. There wasn't anything that Kobe Bryant couldn't do. He could be any kind of player that he needed to be on any given night if he needed to pass he would pass. If he needed to score, he would score. If he needed to play defense, he would play defense. You know, that's why when we get in these other conversations, oftentimes about the greatest players of the game, I I never understood how people could pick certain people when they don't play both ends of the uh, ends of the floor. Mm. You know, what made Kawhi Leonard so special last year was he was great on both ends. What made Michael Jordan so great throughout that whole decade of the nineties was that he was great on both ends, you know, winning scoring titles, but being a defensive player of the year. And Kobe Bryant, to me, is the closest thing that I've seen to Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah, Not just in appearance and, and style and flair, but also just in terms of game. Uh, he was the closest thing that I've seen to MJ in my lifetime. Um, I agree with you, Bob. I feel that... Um Kobe Bryant's game definitely mimicked Michael Jordan, and um, you know how we all feel about Michael Jordan. Uh, as, as safely to say that he's the goat, and uh, to have somebody uh, be at the same height, similar in height, be the same position or similar position he that Mike played, and to have that kind of 
opportunity. Well, I mean, his game spoke spoke for itself. But closing out games was his his forte, and it just reminded me and it reminded the world that there is a second coming of Michael Jordan. Um, to say who's better, I mean, that's that's an argument or a different debate for another day. Um, but you know, I think we all know who is you know who is going on that Mount Rushmore uh, of, of of basketball gods. And Corey Bryant is on that Mount Rushmore of NBA basketball. And um, so, Randy? I mean, I mean, yeah, the Mount Rushmore. For me personally, he, he's on there. I don't have a fourth. I know Michael's on there. Kobe's on there. LeBron is on there. I don't know who the fourth is. Uh, maybe my Mount Rushmore does not need a fourth <laughs> because those are guys that um, – I've seen their entire career. Uh, definitely Kobe, definitely LeBron, who I've seen their entire career from day one. Michael, I started watching Michael maybe in the late 80s, uh, maybe 80, 89, I would say, 89, 90. That's when I started to watch Michael. You know, he came out in, uh, in 84. So I caught the middle to the, the latter part and the retirements of, of Michael's career. But we've seen Kobe's entire career um, from day one. And just the fact that he's been on our TV screen for 20 years <clears throat> makes this whole thing hard to process. Um, same with LeBron. You saw him from uh, 03. We're in 2020 now, 17 years, growing up, maturing, having a family, all that philanthropy stuff. You've seen pretty much because, you know, his whole career is in the, in, in the whole public eye. So no matter what you do, whether you're watching TV, you're on your phone, social media, you know what these guys are doing. And for Kobe, um, just being that guy that can be the next Michael Jordan, you said he, if he wasn't Michael, he came damn near close. He was just, if Michael's a 10, Kobe got to be like a 9.5. 9, and um, I know he wanted that ring against Detroit. I know he wanted that ring against Boston. He would he would have been at he would have been at seven, and Bob we could have been a whole we could have been having a whole different conversation if Kobe would co you know would have, would have had seven titles. You just never know. Um, and you mentioned earlier that was just the the debacle of um, the Lakers in '04, and you know that that run ran its course, and then Shaq goes to Miami, and you start a whole new. Uh, era for Kobe in LA after that yeah I mean listen I I think you make those remarks I actually thought that one of the best things I had seen during the week was the segment that Colin Coward did about Kobe Bryant and whether you like him or not it's not the not not Kobe but Colin but you know he had made had made some really important comments and in that sense of you know saying how by the time that Kobe retires we had seen more of public eye Kobe than he had lived life. I mean, he, you know, at that time he retires and his NBA career outweighs the amount of time that he's, that he's lived on earth, you know, um, more than 50% of his life had been spent. We, you know, basically we watched him grow up in front of our eyes, whether mm -hmm. it was good or bad. Some of it was good. Some of it was great. Some of it wasn't great. We got a chance to see Kobe Bryant at his best, at his worst. 
And I think that's another reason why he is the icon that he is. I mean, even like you made, you made the comment before, Randy, about second act. Uh, we saw him become a father figure. We saw him become someone that was a creator outside of basketball. Uh, you know, he took his other pursuits in life as seriously as he did basketball, and he was showing success in those areas too. Yeah, um, and, and and that's the part that we we're not going to see. You know, there was more to come with him, with you know, writing, directing, whatever it is that he was going to do. We, we just won't be able to to, to see it. Um, you mentioned Game Seven, Sacramento. I asked Joe this one game that you know kind of put Kobe on the map was back in two thousand in the finals. Against against Indiana, and I believe it was Game Four when Shaq had fouled out. Kobe was Kobe had the ankle injury to some degree, and Shaq fouls out. They're up two one. They're in, they're in Indiana, and that's where Kobe take takes over. And it's like, all right, now Shaq is out. What is, what is Kobe gonna do? This this twenty nineteen twenty year old player uh, superstar. Can he take over the take over the game and lead his team to a three one victory? And that's what Kobe did. So that, I think from that point on, that game itself, Joe, that kind of stamped Kobe as like the next guy. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't vividly remember the game, but I know at that point in time is I remember the moment where Shaq had fouled out and he had was put it. Well, pretty much put on a book bag to carry that team to victory, and and I, I believe he I don't have any points to score in a row or how many points mm-hmm. he had, but I remember that game being um, one of one of his greatest games. I think for me, if you're asking me for a separate game, um, of course, 61 at the Garden, and, and I know Bobby mentioned earlier about that some of some of the Kobe Bryant's greatest moments is at MSG. And, you know, I say what you want about the Knicks, say what you want about the franchise, say what you want about New York, but there's nothing like MSG, nothing like the Garden. And Kobe Bryant knew that. And Kobe Bryant was in a situation where, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to showcase, I come here once, twice a year, I'm going to showcase why I'm the greatest in the game. And, and I think he used MSG as a platform for that. So for me, watching that game live and watching him go to work and his, his footwork, his his... Determination to score, the, the, the array of shots he made, um, the difficulty of shots he made, um, and, and just how he was just pretty much showcasing his whole entire game right in front of our eyes. And, and I, I just feel that game for me sticks as one of the greatest games for me for Corey Bryant. I'm, there's so many games that we I'm trying to process right now. Of like, there was even a stretch, I think, in, in 03. I could be wrong about the year. I think it's I think it's 03 where he just 50, 40, 60, this. It was like all like I think February or March of 03 where the entire month he averaged like 40, 45 a game. And Shaq was out, he was hurt. Then we all know the story about, you know, not working hard or whatever it is, and Kobe would just day in, day out, working, working, working. Uh, proving that he was gonna be that 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 alpha male going forward on the Lakers. Um, you know, even in in 06, Bob, uh, he gets um, 
even before 81 against Toronto, he gets 62 against the Mavericks in three quarters. <laughs> and it's like, like this, this guy, this guy does not stop. And um, this is post Shaq era, Shaq time in, in, uh, in LA. Shaq, Shaq got a title in Miami that same year in 06. And many were questioning whether, hey, maybe Shaq should have been the one to stay and not Kobe. But Kobe gets two more uh, with L.A. with Pagasol coming on board and uh, and then just having five rings. So the second act of Kobe in L.A. at the Shaq, what did you make of him and the the birth of the Black Mamba? Well, I mean, listen, this is another, and again, I don't want to get off on a tangent in this respect, but, you know, we make this conversation all the time about Jordan and LeBron uh, maybe being the two greatest of all time and which one is better. I think sometimes it's almost an insult to Kobe Bryant that he's not in that in that conversation. I agree. Um, I think, and again, I mean, maybe sometimes I am hard on LeBron and his career is not complete yet. But you all know how I feel. And again, as, a, as growing up a, a Knicks fan, you know how I feel about Jordan. I hated Jordan. That's first and foremost. But I've grown to accept the fact that he was unbelievable to watch, that he's the greatest I think I've ever seen. Um, with that being said, I think you can make a serious case that Kobe Bryant is better than LeBron. <laughs> and I think it's probably a better conversation to have at this point in time, and maybe until LeBron is done, at least, that the conversation isn't Michael and LeBron. The conversation is Michael and Kobe. And then maybe, you know, maybe when everything is said and done, LeBron could pass them both because he's still got some time left and maybe he will end up winning as many championships as Michael or at least as many as Kobe or maybe more than both of them. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, no, but you know what you you are you know. right. You are right. The fact that when it comes to the goat conversation, is always LeBron and Michael. And I think I put out on, on Twitter many months ago, like you know what, like why why doesn't Kobe, why is why is Kobe automatically just like pushed to the side, like not even in the conversation, and. <clears throat> For for whatever reason, I don't know. I'm like, well, Kobe has more rings and more rings than LeBron, um, more clutch than than LeBron, and he, he, you know, Kobe is is Michael 2.0. And why are people just so quick to put LeBron over uh, Kobe? Because what he he has rings with two teams. I, I don't know, but you you making that point? I think for me and Joe is that when it comes to that conversation, yeah, it's Michael, it's LeBron, it's Magic, it's Bird, but let's not forget about Kobe because he does goes he does go underrated uh as far as his defense and stuff like that. So um I still don't know why. Maybe now, crazy as it might sound, that now he'll be put in that conversation. Well, you know, Rand, I mean you you made the comment there and I, I i actually made almost a similar point before too in a way in the sense that how privileged we are as nba fans to have seen kind of 
the progression of greatness from decade to decade. So in our lifetime, we get the Michael dominance. And I think he's, uh, he was very good in the eighties, but uh, he's the player of the decade in the nineties. Kobe is the player of the decade from the 2000 to 2010 stretch, even though his career went beyond that. And then I think LeBron takes over. He takes the mantle for that next player of, of the past decade. And, you know, what's to come for this next decade would probably, you know, you're going to talk about some of those other guys, you know, whether it's Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. But I think we have seen the Magic Michael progression, maybe maybe want to throw Bird in there from the 80s to the 90s. And then we see Kobe take over and now LeBron. And that's why I made that remark earlier about Maybe it's just perfect now and fitting that LeBron is where he is because he's the greatest player still in the game, uh, in my opinion, overall. We'll say maybe there are other players that could be better single season, whatever, but I think he's still the biggest name in the game. and It's, it's kind of fitting that he's there in L.A. to help, I'm sure, the fan base try to get through this very difficult time. So, Joe, would you take – Number eight, Kobe, or number 24, Kobe? Which one do you like better? Or which one would you prefer to have? <laughs> uh, best of both worlds, I want both. But um, I really like young Kobe. I really like. I really enjoy watching him play as a young, fun kid. I just felt, you know, whether he knew would it be at a certain time in the court, or if he did, he made it look so... So effortlessly, and his game is beautiful. His game is beautiful to watch, and I think that um, before he morphed into the Black Mama, I I really enjoy his arrogance, his confidence, his drive. You know his his mental ability to get you out your game. And like you said, Randy earlier, it was like his de- defensively he was guarding the best player on each team. You know, so um, I mean, there's no right or wrong for me. I I would say. If I took young Kobe's attitude and put it with the 24 Black Mamba, then I'm good with that too. But I really enjoy young Kobe at number eight. Bob? You know, I I don't know if it's just because I'm nostalgic because I'm getting off. And the best part of Kobe's career, I think, was watching him win those two championships by himself. And even if he might have been more athletic when he wins the dunk comp in 97 or wearing number eight, I think the best part of life is when you're when you reach kind of like the zenith would be when you're still kind of good enough to show glimpses of maybe younger version of you. But now you're smarter. That's why even as uh, someone that does a lot of teaching these days, I, I say day in and day out, no accounting for experience and. By that point in Kobe's career, he had finally hit his complete stride. He was, yes, still athletic, maybe not as athletic as he was the first two, three, four years in the league. But watching him in 2009, 2010, and just, uh, I, you know, I read some articles and people breaking down parts of his game. You hear all these different stories. I don't know if you guys had seen the story that Dwayne Wade put out about getting phone calls from uh, a number that he didn't know, you know, who was calling him. 
and basically in short it was during playoff series and he was calling up Dwayne Wade to ask him about you know picking rolls and coming off the screen and constantly picking players brains about how to just how to get better and that was Kobe Bryant I mean they even said in his other career pursuits now whether it was doing the filmmaking or what that he would call up famous people whether it's a famous writer or a famous director and he almost felt like he could talk to somebody and tap into their greatness and then utilize it for his own greatness and um, that's pretty remarkable when you think about it first to have the reach that Kobe Bryant had to be able to just reach out to those people and to uh, connect with them but then also the confidence in yourself that you could be that kind of relatable to somebody. Um, you know, Kobe was constantly working on his game. I mean, one of, one of the visuals I had in my mind was the year that he had the broken hand and dribbling with his left hand in his pajamas. You guys ever see that picture? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and that, that to me is the essence of Kobe Bryant. You know, he was constantly working. You know, you see the comments from LeBron James about one of the first encounters that he had with Kobe. And he, you know, told him that it's about the work. You know, and I, I think that's the tough thing for the younger generation is everybody wants the instant gratification. They want to be great, but they don't realize what it takes to be great. You know, I remember hearing a story from Ray Allen. Um, and I think, you know, you think of the great players from that generation. I, I think it, I don't want to say it's not the same, but, you know, two stories that came to mind here were, um, you know, Ray Allen talking about getting extra sleep in order to prepare for games, especially as his body had aged mm -hmm. uh, and making adjustments, you know, in their in his career. And, and you know what? Kobe Bryant constantly was making adjustments. You know, Allen Iverson came out this past week and said that. While he was in the club, <laughs> Kobe was in the gym. Yeah. You know, and uh, listen, Allen Iverson was great, but maybe he could have been greater. We'll never know. Uh, we know for a fact that you, when you talk about Kobe Bryant, you can't talk about him not reaching whatever level he was supposed to reach. I mean, if anything, he might have, I don't want to say overachieved because maybe there's no such thing, but I mean, he was considered a prodigy at 17 and in my opinion guys he lived up to everything and, and then some he did not shortchange us on his talent mm -hmm. before i get to you mentioned ai before i get to that real quick um for those who have forgotten <laughs> the the accolades of kobe bryant and may not want to put him in the goat conversation um Five-time champion, two-time finals MVP. Could have been more. Uh, only a one-time MVP. I felt he could have had at least two or three. Um, Eighteen-time All-Star, Joe. Uh, yeah, you stop. Bobby, I mean, I mean, seriously, like Kobe Bryant only wins one MVP in the league. Like, how is that? How is that possible, Bob? Like, because you gotta run it by me. Like, I know there's other. I, I know you're gonna justify who wins it, but I'm just talking about. I mean, we're talking about a whole decade. This guy dominated basketball, and mm -hmm. he only wins one league MVP. Somebody gotta explain that to me. So, Bob, how does Kobe only win one MVP? Ah, uh, it's in tough. His well, I mean, I think some of it could be a combination of things. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say 
that his personality might not have been well received at the time, but it's possible. You know, I, I think when you talk about some of these, when you talk about some of these great players, sometimes they're not well received and that goes for all sports. You know, um, not everybody digs Tom Brady outside of New England. You know, people in baseball, even guys that were on his own team, didn't like Barry Bonds very much. <laughs> but there's no doubt that Barry Bonds may be the greatest baseball player of all time. Steroid conversation withstanding. There's no doubt that Tom Brady, whether he's however you want to, you know, characterize him. I, you know, I, I've often said that he, I, you know, maybe a little bit uh, obnoxious, but. You know, I'm sure if I if someone hurt, and I think he's one of the greatest I've ever seen. But you know, it's a very fine line when we talk about arrogance and confidence. It's very fine, and some people at that time might have been rubbed the wrong way by Kobe Bryant. It's possible. I think I think honestly, sometimes the voters guys just do a terrible job. I really do because you know, even in some of those other MVP races from that dec- uh, decade or those years. Um. They weren't always like, you know, like, oh, okay, no brainer or whatever. You know, you think about the Nash, Shaquille O'Neal debate, um, Jason Kidd uh, in that Mm -hmm. conversation a couple of times. Um, You know, this league is built on great players. I think Kobe Bryant played during an era, and even now we have it, where there's just so many great players. So it makes the NBA so special. And they've done such a great job of marketing all of these players, too. Right. That it's... um, I mean, listen, how does LeBron not win the MVP probably every year right now? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, he's been, you know, especially even that that terminology, that phrase, you and I have had this conversation before, Randy. I mean, it's a very kind of misleading phrase, most valuable. Um, you know, at that time, Kobe very well might have been not only the most outstanding player in the game, but he may have been the most valuable player in the game on some of those teams, you know, um, you look back at some of those teams. I mean, they he, very much like LeBron in Cleveland. I mean, he was once Shaquille left and, uh, you know, he had Pau Gasol. I, I think that would probably be the biggest name of that next group of championships, but he had some role players while he was there. And some of them were very good role players, but none of them are going to be hall of famers. You know, Derek Fisher, I mean, <laughs> who, you know, who jumps off the page when you think about that that back-to-back in those three years in the finals? Oh. Besides Gasol. Uh, Odom. Odom was... Yeah, Odom. Was, Odom, yeah. Andrew Bynum. Bynum. Meta. Yeah. Yeah, again, I think role players, though. I mean, yeah. Bynum might have been on his way to bigger and better things before injuries. Uh, I think Odom is what you know was one of those guys that was multifaceted, incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe his career cut short by some other problems, other demons and stuff. But um, I don't think any of those guys would probably be Hall of Famers, except for maybe Gasol. Right. Um, he was also four-time All-Star Game MVP, eleven-time NBA First Team. Two-time second team, two-time third team, nine-time all-defensive first team, uh, three-time all-defensive second team, two-time scoring champion, slam dunk champion, uh, number eight and number 24 retired by the Lakers. So, 
Listen, too, I, w- I want to make this one quick remark. If you go back and you look at his numbers, split between the 8 and the 24, they're almost identical. Yeah, they're pretty you know, much so the he, same. He, uh, he played two different parts of his career, however he wanted to play him, and he was consistently good from year one until <laughs> until the very last game that he played. Absolutely right, Bob. Whether he was wearing 8 or 24, whether he blew out his Achilles or whatever, Absolutely. Uh, you know, he was – he was exactly who he was from the minute he started to the minute he left. And that, that says a lot. Mm-hmm. I think very few people have had that. Derek Jeter had that in baseball. Um, we saw it with Kobe in the NBA. And uh, maybe depending on what Tom Brady decides to do, he might be in that conversation as well. But in terms of winning and winning percentage and playoff success. How about Jordan? You know, yeah, Jordan too. I do think Jordan should have, you know, but another another podcast, I guess, for another day. But you know, we should have left it at Game Six, Utah, Byron Russell. That should have been where it got left. So but, you, um, you're not a fan of uh, <laughs> Washington Wizard, MJ Bob? Yeah, I mean, it was cool to have him come back. I remember being very excited about that. It was cool, to, you know, to see him out there, and he still was, you know, still dropping twenty. But I just think that. When you think of um, NBA careers or anybody's career, you would love to see. You know, listen, Derek Jeter wasn't as great that final year in pinstripes, and he probably could have played another year, maybe even another two years. But he knew he was slowing down. I think Kobe Bryant knew he was slowing down, and uh, he didn't want to go out like that. And there's something to be said about that. And, uh, you know, you caught glimpses. You know, I mean, the 60-point game, you catch a glimpse in that final game. I mean, he might have taken a ton of shots, but he still had it. Um, same for Derek Jeter. I mean, he didn't hit 300 that final season, but the walk-off hit at Yankee Stadium. You know, some guys just happen to have a knack for being able to rise to the occasion in the biggest moments, whatever that is. I don't know if it's something in the DNA or what, but Kobe Bryant had it, man. He, you know, I I can't tell you how many times, you know, I was able to be at some of those games, whether it was here at the Garden or at that time, New Jersey. Before they went to Brooklyn, yeah, um, or just even like I said, I got a chance to see a lot of those All Star games, and he was always not only an All Star. Don't rub it in, pre- Bob. Yeah. Don't 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 do that like that, okay? Because you have <laughs> all this like prestigious access to these games, man. So we're getting kind of jealous. Uh, I know we're NBA League Pass, you know, carriers, <laughs> but um, you know, just continue to rub all this no, experience I'm, you had. I'm just, you know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like I think he was always the best player, even even out there amongst the other best players. That that was just the point I was making. But yeah, no, it was cool. It was cool to be. You know, one of the things I said to my guys, and again, maybe more poignant now because he's passed away. But you know, as any fan of any sport, even even the casual fan or someone that doesn't have that kind of access will say, I think it is important to make sure that you try to. You know, catch a glimpse of these guys live if you can, at least once in your life. I mean, Kobe Bryant played 20 years in the NBA. If you were a big fan of the NBA or even of Kobe Bryant, you know, shell out money for tickets once and and go see him play live once. You know, I did the same for Jordan as a fan. And uh, uh, if I even if I couldn't get passes, let's say media wise, I would have done the same for Kobe. Because you know, it's it's not easy to to cap you know to capture that kind of greatness. Uh, same as LeBron. LeBron's a treat. I, I made sure to go to both of those games last week because anytime you could see him, it's uh, something special. So just to kind of 
make our way to, to wrapping up in a few. Um, so within the second act, without Shaq, uh, we know he wins two rings. He has five now. Shaq retires with four rings. Um, Kobe does break at the time the the Madison Square Garden record for sixty one points. Um, I, I was working with the Knicks at, at the the year prior, so I had left. You know, to finish college, and of course, Kobe comes to the Garden a year after I leave, and he wants to score to score sixty one uh, at the time, which is the the, the building record. Um, he does that, and then, it, you know, they they win the the back to back. Then you start seeing little something with the team and dissension and. Now you start seeing the Lakers. Yeah, they make the playoffs, but then they get Dwight Howard and it's Steve Nash and it's and then to me what's fascinating is the the, the Achilles injury he had and then to show the injury and then Kobe was still on top of on top of the game uh when he hurt the Achilles. He was getting a twenty five, twenty seven a game. He was still being the the, the top guy in the league. Um, he, it wasn't like he was fading out, <clears throat> but he was still one of, one of the best. And just seeing that process of him of him coming back, trying to come back from that injury, because only I, I think only Dominique at the time came back and and pretty did did a pretty good job at coming back. Uh, we saw Isaiah go through it, and a whole bunch of people go through it, and not really get back to that top level. Cole did. His absolute best to, to to do that, then then to show the injury, and you, and you start to see and wonder like how you know how many years Kobe has left, and then we get to 2016, he retires, uh, final game he gets 60, to 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 bookend his uh his NBA career. When you see all that, the ups and downs in the last couple years, the injuries and going out with a bang, um. What does that tell you about him and the work ethic and determination about about like if I'm gonna go out, I'm still gonna go out on top. Am I chiming in first here, Joe? Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, I mean again, I, I think the one the one thing we always talk about with Kobe Bryant is his work ethic. And I think his career will always be looked upon as a guy that no matter how great he had, you know, in terms of talent, no matter how great he was talent-wise, he worked to develop himself, and winning was the only thing that mattered to him. Yep. You know, and it's it's, uh, I, and, you know, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I always knock LeBron because you know I I always put him on my Mount Rushmore, and I it's been a privilege to cover him and an honor to be around him as well. But um, that was the one thing I always felt that was lacking from his game was just that at the end of games, he was more a facilitator than he has been a closer. Uh-huh. And that was what stood out with both Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant was just the fact that at the end of games, there was nobody you wanted to have uh, the ball more than MJ or Kobe. Yeah. And I don't know if that's always been the case with LeBron, believe it or not. I don't, I don't you know, and again, not to get into a separate conversation, but. If we're going to talk about greatest player of all time, 
I think that that part, that aspect of their game has to be there. Well, I mean, um, me being a, a big time LeBron fan, um, I would I never put LeBron in comparison to Michael Jordan. Um, I think that, as we said earlier, that I think that Kobe gets uh, disrespected at times and, and and not having that his name in a conversation of the goat. But um, me being a LeBron fan, there's pretty much no comparison in terms of. You know him to him to Kobe Bryant in terms of Kobe uh, statistics and his his you know his profile that Randy mentioned earlier. You know definitely outweighs LeBron. And if there's a totem pole of of goat conversations, and you know I got a little sprinkle of Matt Johnson. If I had to put him on Rushmore, I'll go Magic, I go Mike, I go Kobe, and I go LeBron. And you could put it out order except LeBron stays fourth. Just because of the fact that you know, what was it, man? Threat of nine, threat of nine. Um, yeah, yeah. And then he doesn't close certain games, and then he's like you said earlier, Bob. He's a facilitator, and I think his passive aggressive for me, his game throws me off. And I'm a big time LeBron fan. Randy will tell you, or my friend will tell you. Um, but it's just hard to watch him because you know either either he's gonna not take a shot, or and he doesn't want to go to free throw line. And he doesn't have that gene that, that Skip Bayless says, that clutch gene all the time, that I think that he has the ability to take over games and drive to the basket and get a foul and finish. And I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know if he trusts himself to do that. So, um, you know, definitely the edge goes to Kobe. And, uh, but, of course, we got to go start with that conversation with the greatest all the time, Michael Jordan. Randy? Um, I, to me, I think Michael is the GOAT. Um, people... Before that time, could say Bill Russell because he has eleven championships. And prior to Michael, people could say Magic and Bird because Magic and Bird say at the NBA, uh, Michael made it global. Shaq and Kobe took it to a different level, and LeBron is still at the top top of his game in year seventeen. Huh. Um, it's amazing, right? It's amazing. Yeah. Right, right, Bob? Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think sometimes LeBron could end up being in a, by the time it's all said and done, just because of the uniqueness of his frame and his body, he might be in a category all by himself. Yeah. And again, you know, he's he's great. I mean, there's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm not, that's why I said I'm not, I'm not knocking him at all. And uh, he's, he's great. But I, I, I just think that there, there's something about watching the uh, fluidity and, and almost poetry of how both uh, Jordan and Bryant moved their bodies. Right. Uh, you know, maybe that's part of it, too. It may, maybe that's biased to say or unfair to say. But, um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's ironic, too, that both Kobe and LeBron were so motivated by Jordan. That's why I say, too, all the time, I think that he's the GOAT. You know, I heard a story this week. I don't know if you guys saw that. But um, Phil Jackson used to use Jordan to try to motivate Kobe. And he would, uh, you know, use the whole, like, well, he's got more rings than you. If I, if I, you know, if I had a, if I had to pick which guy is, 
is better right now that I've had to coach. It's, it's, it's Michael, you know, and, and the story that was told, they, I heard that Jackson used to say, which might have been true as well, that Jordan had bigger hands than Kobe Bryant. Yeah. So he he used it in a way to to not only fuel uh, Bryant because you know listen if, if if Jordan had bigger hands than Kobe there was nothing he could do about that <laughs> you know what I'm saying and Phil Jackson knew that Phil Jackson knew that if he made a comment like that to him that it might you know it might just get under his skin and make him work even harder uh, I wonder deep down if Phil Jackson would tell the truth as to which player really was better, because if anybody probably could comment on who the, on who the goat is, it would be him. That's a, that's a, that's a true statement. Yeah. For sure. Um, my last point, Bob, um, can I have, a, I have one question before sure. we go into that. I'm sorry, sure. Bobby. I know you mentioned earlier that you had, a, you had the unique opportunity to watch these guys up close. So, Go to a game and see these guys come. Um, you know, uh, you know the, these are you know LeBron's of the world, Kobe, Michael, and I'll include Magic. I don't know if you've seen Magic live, but I'll just put, I'll put those three in your line of business and your access and the opportunity to watch these guys up close. Who would you say that you enjoy the most live to watch? Well, I mean, again, based on age, I, I come. I, I always thought Magic was great, but I, I did, wasn't reporting by the time his, uh, you know, his career was concluding. Um, I mean, for me in my in my era of of career work in the last twenty years, it, yeah. it's really just been it's been Kobe and LeBron. I haven't seen all of the great games live that that Kobe performs, even here in New York. And the same, I guess, for LeBron, too. I mean, there have been some games I missed here and there, but I, I got to see LeBron's first championship in Miami. I thought that was pretty cool. And and, and all of those uh, finals appearances there. And even LeBron's very first game at the Garden I was at, which that was pretty pretty special. I still think about that from time to time. Did you see uh, uh, Michael up close, or did you get access to watch a game up close where you could yeah. see him? I saw Michael at the end live. Uh, I got to see him even play with the Wizards. You know, at that time, it's more, uh, you know, either buying tickets as a teenager or asking mom if she would take me to the game to see him. They see them play the Bulls, which at that time was a very tough ticket to get. Man, you you really couldn't get Knicks Bulls at the Garden. You had to no. had to had to go out to Jersey to see uh, Michael play, um, unless you had a lot of money. That was definitely definitely a tough draw as a fan in terms mm-hmm. of tickets, but um, you know, I, I again, I'm not trying to knock LeBron, but I, I just, I, you heard me say this the other night when we talked about it. My Mount Rushmore is exactly the same as yours, Joe. I have those four players on my Mount Rushmore, at least in my lifetime, right. and uh, I just don't think LeBron has passed either Jordan or Kobe. I think those two guys, to me. Are above him at the moment, at the very least. Right. Okay, Randy. Um, that, you wanted to... the, the 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 final point I was gonna make is, you know, we're seeing Kobe up against the likes of, uh, you know, T Mac and Vince Carter in in that era, Paul Pierce. Um, but the but the one guy that 
a lot of people clamor to, as you mentioned earlier, was uh, was um, AI. And I put out a tweet earlier today, just very short, probably like maybe less than a minute of a video of just Kobe, Kobe, and and and, and um, AI going at it in the 01 finals, and kind of, and then they show Kobe years later talk about how you know AI got to prepare to get up every game and play hard and stuff like that and a lot of people have been you know commenting on that video retweeting it and just kind of saying that you know both AI and Kobe are the the goats and how that that era of basketball where there's a rivalry kind of made them become a fan Uh, that era made them become a fan um some even admitting that they hated Kobe because they took they felt he took a ring away from Iverson, but they they respected him. Uh, aside from the ring, they just hated Kobe, but they respected him. Um, maybe at that time there were more AI fans than Kobe fans. Uh, I think that I think that might be true. But why do you feel out of all like the rivalries and all the one on ones that Kobe has had that people clamor to Kobe and AI? You know, going one on one more um, than anybody else. Is it because they fans relate to AI and Kobe more um, to some degree? Why did why the fans clamor to AI versus Kobe? Well, I mean, I, you know, Randy, I think some of it at that time was he's like the anti. You know, he's the bad boy of the NBA at that at that point in time, and. You know, I, I don't want to say anti-hero, but to some degree, you know, I had a little bit more of that persona. And I think Iverson is one of the great players in the NBA, in the history of the NBA. He's definitely one of the greatest uh, little men in the NBA, you know, in terms of what he was able to accomplish at his height. Uh, he was a special player to watch. And uh, but, you know, uh, you know, just getting back because I, I don't it's OK to draw comparisons and stuff, but I. I think that, you know, one of the things you would say about Kobe, too, and I think you guys have seen a lot of it this week as well, is, you know, he was always great, and he didn't necessarily have to tell you that he was great. You know, that that was something. I, I know he was a good trash talker, but didn't seem to be at the top of his. He would talk if he had to talk. Um, he let his game do the talking for him most of the time. So, why, so Joe, why do you feel there's – fans that clamor to an AI Kobe battle dynamic than a Kobe uh, T-Mac, Kobe Vince Carter, Kobe Paul Pierce. Well, I think at the time those individuals matched up it's about the culture of basketball. I think the culture of basketball is changing towards more of a, you know, more of a ethnic, urban kind of background and drew more of those kids out to receive what kind of players Oh, what kind of uh, athletes these guys are and, and follow their footsteps. I mean, Iverson had a major, major following and Kobe did as well. And when you put on two Titans in one in one show or one court, it was probably one of the greatest, greatest moments, greatest displays, display of basketball in my that I watched ever in terms of Kobe and Iverson going at it. And especially in game one when, when I, I, I mean... They could have played a better, you know, better game, you know, and I believe that the game went to overtime, right? Mm. And it's the way, you know, those two guys went at it, you know, and they went, they were chasing something that was, 
beyond their control, and that's the Larry O'Brien trophy. And um, it was an epic battle, Bob. It was, you know, I, Iverson's a, a killer. You know, Iverson will put his body in the line and jeopardize his own health to, to uh, you know, get a loose ball, or get a get or get another shot, get a steal, and the same goes for Kobe. And I think their DNAs were, were were alike, and they're the same. You know, one was just what six five, six six. One was barely four five ten. Mm-hmm. And uh, I agree with you, Bob. You know, if it wasn't for his height, I mean, he's definitely one of the greatest, small, smallest, smallest players in the NBA. Uh, but imagine him at six two, six three. You know, it's a different conversation to have. But um, epic battle, um, of course, at that time, and and the way that team was structured with the Lakers. It was inevitable that uh, the Lakers, you know, prevailed. Um, but it definitely got a lot of respect for me in terms of Iverson putting on that kind of kind of a display in the NBA Finals on the road and, and pretty much scared the Lakers, you know, and took them a little more serious than they did and it kind of woke them up. And uh, and I, 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 part of me would, would say that Kobe made that message real clear, like, you guys sleeping on this team, they're coming to kill us. And I'm just telling you right now, I'm not, I'm not down for that. So, you know, knowing Kobe and his competitiveness and his mama mentality, I'm, I'm pretty sure um, game one was a eye-opener, but also let Kobe know that, that, that there's work to be done. And then the Lakers won four in a row <laughs> and got rid of Philly. Um, to me, I still think when you turn on NBA TV and stuff like that, as far as finals games, if it's not Game Six, Chicago, Utah, like Game One, two thousand one gets played a lot. So, you know, you know the AI stepping over Tyron Lue and stuff like that, and um, that game gets played a whole lot. Um, so people people definitely know about that game more than any game in the finals history. But I I thought it was very it, it, it's a weird dynamic when you see on social media how people just love AI um they love Kobe now but back then it was like it's more of a sense that they they just don't get that in today's NBA where you know everybody's good friends now in the social media we got this we got that we play pickup together back then Bob it would just and I'll wrap it up here it would just it was different man like Kobe AI going at it, and then you had Shaq and you know the Kings, and you had like other rivalries going on, Portland and the Lakers. It was like I don't like you, you don't like me. I might respect you, but once we're in the confines of this ninety-four by fifty, then we're pretty much rivals, and you just don't get that in today's NBA. And Kobe versus AI was one rivalry that people love to see. And I think regardless of who won. Yeah, I mean, this generation is uh is totally different. I mean, you didn't you didn't see this whole like hey, let's swap jerseys and stuff like that <laughs> after games. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, could yeah. you see Allen Iverson and Kobe Bryant taking their jerseys off and giving them to each other and signing them? I mean, I, I just don't, Not in I don't see that. Not in no one. Not in no one. Maybe when they're both uh, retired and done. Uh, things would be different. And I'm not trying to knock that new type of thing. I, I get it. I respect it. Uh, but at the same time, I think that's another reason why when we have these conversations, especially with younger generational fans, 
I think that they missed the point. I think that you can't tell me that, you know, 90s basketball wasn't good or 2000s basketball wasn't good. You know, everyone's always going to say that the current thing is the best. You know, these athletes are the fastest or this is the best that we've ever seen the game. And I don't know if that's the case. I mean, even in having these conversations with you guys, I never saw Bill Russell live. I've seen video. I understand that the game was smaller back then. But, you know, I, from all accounts from people that I trust that even are older now that watch the game, Bill Russell was great. Will Will Chamberlain was great. I heard Dr. J was Michael Jordan before Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. I believe it. You know, um, even Jerry West. I mean, it's Jerry West to me is probably what we see with Steph Curry now. Jerry West was hitting half court shots back then, pulling up like they were free throws. Um, he was probably the the precursor to someone like the Kobe, the Steph Curry, the sharpshooter. You know, um, you know, I I think that the NBA has been fortunate enough again to have so much star power throughout the years and the decades. That's what makes picking, you know, all time top five so tough. And then the game has changed so much. You know, there was a time when the center was a big part of the game and now it's not. Um, But, you know, and again, not to go off on tangents, I think Kobe Bryant was such a great player. You can drop him in any era and he would have been great. That's how I feel about Michael Jordan. You can't tell me Michael Jordan just played in the eighties and the nineties and he played against scrubs all the time. And if you, put him in the in the game now <laughs> that he wouldn't be good I, I don't I don't buy that and again it's it's going to be hard to determine that because we'll never get to see that but I think even 40 50 years from now if we're fortunate enough to be around having these kinds of conversations um, we're going to look back and we're going to say you know Kobe's one of the greatest we've ever seen one of these talents that comes along every once in a blue right the same with LeBron you know, LeBron is a very special player. They're, you know, there might be other players that are going to be, you know, similar, maybe just as good, put up big numbers. It's going to be that next guy. There's always a next guy. <laughs> you know, when we saw Jordan, we thought we'd never see anything again, but we, we got Kobe. And then when Kobe started winding down, you know, we've seen the really the rise of LeBron's time. And I think LeBron's mm-hmm. time is probably in that, you know, about to sunset kind of period and might still get another five years out of this. And but, you still think that Durant is not in that conversation? You know, yeah, I, I do think Durant's in the conversation. Okay. I do. You know, and I, I think that we just had this conversation actually in this conversation that some of these players overlap. Right, you know, right. Ma- Magic was still playing when, when Jordan was rising. Right. Uh, Jordan was good even before he won that first championship against Magic and the Lakers. Um, and there's going to be, there's always going to be overlap. I mean, I think Durant has more to go because he's got to try to win some championships probably without the Golden State Warriors. And maybe he will. Right. And hopefully in Brooklyn, that would be pretty nice. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and again, just to put into perspective, I think Kobe was, was great and will remain in this conversation of greatness for a very long time, even even past people, you know, that never got to see him play. And that's a tough part, too. Like even in having these conversations with you with you guys, there might be some of us, um, you know, in our group or older fans or whatever that listen to the show that go, oh, man, you, you know, they never saw Dr. J or they yeah. never saw, you know, I mean, listen, we never we never seem to throw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in these conversations. And the guy, you know, 
the guy was unique and and uh, and a great player from from high school all the way through the NBA. Right. I mean, still the all time leading scorer. That's got to say something, right? <laughs> I mean, I I agree. And and this leads to my last question before we, before we close out the show. Uh, earlier in the show, you had mentioned about that now you feel that the Lakers are going to make this push. Um, do you think this is the push that LeBron needs to get his fourth and fifth ring? The fact that the, the, the window of his time is slowly closing, if not closing a little faster than he expected in terms of having Ann Davis? That's if he as if he resigns. you think that this tragic, tragic, tragic um, situation that happened with Kobe and these nine other passengers... Um, do you think that this propels the Lakers to win the next two championships or even this year, and why so? Yeah, I don't know what would happen if if they win it this year, if it would carry over to next year. I think that this loss is, of course, you know, is so heavy for them and heavy for the city. It, it might not. It might be something that's too big for them to even to even get to. I mean, listen, it might it might not be easy for them to to get over this in that way. But I, I think that tragedy does unify. You know, I, I've heard uh, the coaching staff these last couple of days saying that they, you know, that they're hurting, but at the same time, they feel like they're coming together through this to help each other. That might help the Lakers in the long run. I'm sure they're going to want to do everything that they can to honor Kobe's legacy by trying to win. Of course they would. I still think that they were very much in the conversation before this happened, too, to be honest. I mean, they've had a great season so far. Um, LeBron still has it. Anthony Davis is, has been the perfect complement to him, and their role players are really good. I think they're missing a couple of things that they could make some moves at the deadline. Um, and what's that? You know, I... I I would love to see them get maybe another playmaker. I think guys like Derrick Rose would be good for them. Uh, I know I said to you guys the other night, I think Marcus Morris would be really good for them. I think Marcus Morris would probably be good for a lot of teams. He's one of the few bright spots for the Knicks, so um, he would fit in nicely with what they're trying to do. How about um, um, how about um, um, Ian Begley's guy that he spoke about on his on his um, on his show? Um, Malik Monk, I heard there was that was a name that was thrown out for the deadline for the Knicks to to come and grab. Yeah, I mean he, he probably wouldn't be a bad you know a bad pickup for them. Um, I think that that the Lakers are good the way they are at the moment, but since they are a team that's still trying to come together and gel as a newer team, and LeBron's done this before. Um, I still think that they have time before the season is up to try to get all of it together and get it in motion for the playoffs. But I wouldn't be surprised if they make moves. I mean, LeBron's notorious for that, the deadline to shore <laughs> things up or to try to, you know, get a little bit better. And, um, you know, I think the move that I like the most for them of all the, you know, the things that got floated, because I, I think he's a nice player, I, I would I would be trying to get Zach Levine from the Bulls. I heard that too. And I also did hear about... Um I definitely heard about Zach Levine. Also heard, I just had in my mind, um, they were trying to get Zach Levine and somebody else. It'll come back to me, but but continue. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if I'm LeBron, I I I like that deal, and I might. I don't know if I would get rid of uh, Kuzma, but I think if you had to get rid of him for somebody, Zach Levine would be an option. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I, I, I've been, I, I don't want to say it sucks that he didn't end up staying with the Knicks, but maybe it was just different circumstances. I don't know what he would have done for them, but Derrick Rose still got it, man. You know, he's not the, you know, the MVP Derrick Rose, but on a given night, he can give you, he can give you something similar to that. And he still has a knack for hitting some big shots and he's still a player. Um, he would be a much more effective player in LA than he probably is where he is right now. So uh, even though he's got a pretty good team there too, I just think that adding him to that mix in Los Angeles with uh, with Davis and LeBron and some of the role players that they have there, uh, that would probably be a nice recipe too. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably just a question of what they'd have to give up. You know, the Lakers, whatever deal that they make, right? You know, they probably don't want to mortgage the future because you know I think if they can keep Davis there, and I think more than likely he'll want to stay there. LeBron yeah. still has a window, so just having Davis and himself as the primary anchors for that team, they probably wouldn't mind continuing to add some players to the draft. And make no mistake about it, you don't always have to have the number one pick in the draft to find good players. We've seen that. You know, you could take a guy 15, 16, and he ends up becoming a star. Yeah. You know, so all this BS that you hear from Nick fans, oh, we had the ninth pick, you know, we couldn't get the guy. It's like, no. <laughs> it's mean, like your dra- you, you, you know, your drafting department didn't do a good enough job of finding the guy. True. You know, I mean, when Tony Parker is one of the second to last picks in the first round of the draft, that's the San Antonio Spurs. You understand what I mean? Like that's that's good scouting. Um, it is a crapshoot, but some teams are much better at identifying what mm-hmm. those players, who those players are. I mean, Kobe Bryant's a perfect example. Kobe Bryant wasn't the fifth pick, wasn't the number one pick. He was a mid-first round draft pick. Mid-first round draft pick and is a top four on, all-time scoring leader, all-star champion, and you know considered by many to be one of the greatest of all time. So, a mid-first round draft pick that got traded by a franchise that hasn't been good since they traded him <laughs> for 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 Vlade Divac. Yeah. <laughs> um I I do want to say Joe and Bob, I do want to thank you for coming on. Uh for those who want more insight, it is two o'clock in the morning on going going into Thursday morning. Um you know, this show I, I wanted to do the last couple of days, just try to find the right timing with everything that's been going on and, and your guys' schedules. So I do want to thank you. Uh, just talking about Kobe, um, his legacy and what he brought to the game of basketball and what he was bringing to the uh, outside the world of basketball. Um, it's, it's tough. It's, it's going to be like this for a while. And I guess all of us together – as fans across the world are going to somehow get through this and uh, just continuing to, to live out the legacy of, of Kobe Bryant. And um, however you do that, that's, that's on you. But I felt like it was, it, it was something that I really wanted to do with the whole retro room thing and kind of talk about his career and, and just be, be all about him. Um, so I think, we did our best to do that. We can't, you know, there's, there's so much we can talk about Kobe that a one-hour show or even an hour, hour and a half show 
is not suffice enough. I know we'll talk about more about him uh, as time goes on. Um, I know Bob and Joe. I'll probably get you guys on for you know it, it'll be twenty years since he won his first championship in two thousand. It'll be ten years since he won the title in twenty ten. So those That's are big, right. big anniversaries that unfortunately he won't be around for. But I know we'll, you know, we'll highlight that and. And then, of course, the Hall of Fame coming up and it's just a lot of things that we just got to be prepared for. But I do want to thank you guys for coming on the show and, and, and doing this. No, I appreciate you having me on. I mean, I think uh, we mentioned it earlier, uh, Randy, about how how tough this show has kind of been. I mean, I, it's, it's you know, you try to make points about his career, highlight his career, mm. the good memories and things like that. But I think the state of shock is still still there and i think talking about this has been almost difficult i mean i i even when i wrote my script the other day for the show Mm. um there were a couple times that i had to go back and make revisions because it was almost difficult to talk about him in the past tense yeah i found myself sometimes making remarks like like he was still here (laughs) um and that's because it's just it's just hard to believe that he's not here you know, um, and one other thing I, I just wanted to say, I thought those two stories that I saw were interesting, too, um, in closing. One was I don't know if you guys saw, but Tracy McGrady made mo- uh, remarks about uh, Kobe saying that he wanted to die young. I don't know if you saw that story. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, and if that's true, that's an interesting remark from a man um, that had such an incredible career. Uh, the other thing too, and, and supposedly the reason why was he had made remarks and maybe he was saying it just in a comical way, but he had made remarks to Tracy about wanting to be legendary, you know, wanting to surpass Jordan in every way. And, um, you know, one of Kobe's icons and one of his favorite people that he, that he loved was Bruce Lee. And um, in, a, in a lot of ways, he's kind of, you know, will become probably like the Bruce Lee of basketball when you think about it. You know, this guy that had this incredible career dies tragically and then gets immortalized for life. So if his mission was to be remembered, um, it's a very good possibility that he'll be remembered even more so than maybe we would have remembered him because certain guys are, you know, I mean, Kareem is still alive (laughs) and he's, you know, we're going to see him like Bill Russell, you know, the old guy at the games type of thing. We won't get to see that for Kobe Bryant. We won't even get to see him give his hall of fame speech. Yeah. But, you know, maybe that will add to the legend. You know, we didn't, we didn't get to see Bruce Lee uh, with a cane, (laughs) You know, every vision of of Bruce Lee is Mm -hmm. exactly what it was. It was vibrant Bruce Lee, you know, and the same even for Kobe. I mean, he still looked like he could play at 41, right? I mean, to me, he didn't look much different than he did four or five years ago. You're right about that. And uh, I heard that he was still playing pickup, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've always felt the same way even about Jordan. At 50, Jordan looked like he could still play. Of course. I think Kobe (laughs) would have been very much in that that same – that same perception. Mm-hmm. Well, Bob, Joe, uh, thank you for doing this. Um, Retro Room Season 3, Episode 1 on the legacy of the GOAT, Kobe Bryant. Uh, you can follow Joe on Twitter 
at Hoops in the Sun. You can follow him on Instagram at Caruso CEO. You can find Bobby on Twitter and Instagram at the Voice Bobby C. That's correct, right? Yes, sir. All right. So um, check him out. Uh, the show will be out tomorrow. Um, and again, Bob and Joey, thank you very much. My Thanks, pleasure, guys. Man. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Love you, Kobe. See you next time. Love you, Kobe. All right.